Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. Cheers, guys. It's a little bit more than beer today. <laughs> Having a little, a little Macallan 12. Thank you so much for sharing. Much appreciated. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you. <sighs> Good to have you. So I'm sitting here today with a musical group, human beings playing instruments using science and biology <laughs> to make our <laughs> eardrums ejaculate. Make some noise for mm. flammable animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, too kind. So what did you all do in your lives to end you up here at this table? How the fuck, what, what's going on? Still asking myself that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I found you on Instagram, started listening to the podcast and uh, I just like sent you a message one day like, hey, can the band come on? And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. And here we are. Here we are, right? Here we are. The so, fruitful moment. For everybody that is not familiar with the band, give me a little bit of backstory. Mm. Why? <clears throat> why? 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 How? Being in a band's miserable. Why are we still doing this? Oh, oh <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, why'd you start playing music? Well, we're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll say how I started. I started because um, somebody I was dating was in a band <clears throat> in LA. That was in. PA, Pittsburgh, and he needed a bass player. So I taught myself how to play bass and then I flew across the country and just decided to stay there. And that's how I got into it. Nice. I grew up playing piano and drums, but I'm not very good at drums and piano I'm okay at. But I mean, um, piano is like drums with your fingers. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into music. I mean, I kind of grew up with it and then just sort of fell into it. Totally. As far as a band situation goes, like, I don't know about you guys. How about you? Roundtable discussion. Yeah, right. Um, well, I'm, I guess it all started when I was in middle school, when I first learned how to play an instrument. Uh, it was drums in middle school band. And then a uh, buddy of mine got a guitar for Christmas and I really wanted one. Parents wouldn't buy me one. So I saved up my own little allowance doing chores and bought myself a guitar and then 24 years later, I'm still playing guitar. Hell yeah. Yeah, just copy and paste his story. <laughs> I started in middle school and I started playing guitar. That's my main thing. Copycat. Yeah. But then whenever I started recording and wanting to actually put songs together, I couldn't find anyone else in middle school or high school to work with. So I just learned drums too. So I could just record everything myself. That's super fun. So around this time... Like when we're starting to get into music, what kind of music are we listening to that, you know, steered us down this path that now we are, you know, dying at the end of? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like in general or like in yeah. reference to this What were project? you listening to? What, what was I listening to when I was... Start when you first picked up an instrument. Oh, when I first picked up an instrument. Oh, when you first picked up an instrument. When I first picked up an instrument. All right, let me think. Oh my God. I mean, it was, I was like young. So it would have been like, 
Pro- I mean, probably like Whitney Houston, Madonna, um, a lot of classic rocks. I grew up with uh, my stepdad is like the biggest mega Beatles fan. So like Beatles, Van Morrison, Little Feet, all his music, my dad's music, which would be like Jefferson Starship and uh, Heart, things like that. So a lot of classic rock and then a lot of classical music like nice. Beethoven, Mozart, you know, your standard classical um, go-tos. But yeah, that's kind of where I kind of listen to everything. So yeah, I think it's good. How do you feel, if at all, any of that stuff still reflects what you're doing today with Flammable Animal? And what can you tell me about the band in general and how it got started? I know that's kind of two different questions, but I'm terrible at this. Okay. So my influences for the band, I mean, it does shape, I think classic rock shapes, um, the way I harmonize, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, like all the harmonies and the band stuff like that, um, are still influential on me. I still listen to them, but somewhere in like junior high, I started listening to Fugazi, like Joy Division, uh, New Order. Here you comes know, trouble. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got and the, my favorite band is still and it will always be Depeche Mode, and that's just kind of what I gravitate to. What people call like dark depressing i find it uplifting music so yeah and then it just kind of evolved i started writing my own stuff um while i was in another band as a side project and then that band was no more and um i was always in another person's band though while i was working on my own stuff this is the first time i've ever been able to record and have it come to fruition so I couldn't be happier about that. But I think definitely everything I've listened to growing up, you know, up until now, it's always like a subconscious thing when you're writing. Mm -hmm. It just kind of comes out. And then usually down the road in hindsight, you're like, oh, my God, I hear this lyric that I I heard there. Did I steal that? Mm -hmm. Or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, did I steal that riff or was that subconscious? Like, yeah. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> you did. But <laughs> you I'm totally trying. Did. I'm trying. You answered it. All right. Good times. How did all of you Riff Raff get together? Uh, How'd you meet? Okay. <laughs> well, um, so uh, <laughs> this is so funny. <clears throat> My um, weed dealer recommend- <laughs> 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 recommended, <laughs> recommended a guy. <clears throat> I said, yeah, I said, a guy for what? <laughs> well, he's also an artist and a musician. And I wow. said, yeah, I said, I mean, he's multi-talented. The weed will do that to you. Sure. I guess. Sure. Maybe they go hand in hand. Um, but no, I said, uh, I'm really looking to record, looking for someone local. He goes, I got your guy. Like, give my buddy a shout. And I said, okay. So I texted Dan. Did not know that. Oh, so you're the weed dealer's yes, buddy. Yes, yes. yes. Did not know that. Um, <laughs> I yeah. am not the weed dealer. <laughs> the weed dealer's the shit. Going. <laughs> He's yeah. the shit. Plot twist. No, I, I sell her meth. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's, I, I, mean, I don't fuck with weed. Yeah. It's true. I have to separate and compartmentalize my drugs. But um, yeah, so then I texted him <clears> and then um, it just worked out really, really well for me. And I think for all of us, It we got lucky. I got lucky. Yeah. Super cool. So prior to getting, you know, linked up here in this, what were you doing musically? Uh, Musically, I'm active as the owner and operator of Jess Records Recording Studio. 
Uh, so I sounds busy. I try to stay busy. Cool. I mean, I always like to be more busy. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a couple of bands as well. Um, I'm in a band called the struggle bus. Yes. And I'm in a band called ladylike. Yes. Um, so musically I'm, I'm trying to stay as active as possible. I also work with, uh, Hugh Twyman on Hugh shows. I yeah. do all the Shout audio production. Friend of the Shout show. Previous Twyman. guest. Uh, great guy. And, uh, that's essentially as active as I possibly can be. I went full-time with my studio last year. And congrats. Thank you. That's awesome. Where's the studio based out of? It's in Dormont. Dormont. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're the Dormont guy. Yep. Unless there's somebody else in Dormont with the studio. There's probably a couple actually. Really? Okay. But uh, I hope I'm the Dormont guy. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like we probably have some mutual friends and I can't think of off the top of my head who specifically either is recording or knows people that go to this place in Dormont that I've heard quite a bit about a Dormont studio. We'll just assume it's you. Okay. That works for me. Fuck everybody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's only one studio in Dormont. <laughs> the that, only. That, should be, that should be on the back of this fucking business card. There's only one studio in Dormont. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so you brought a mock-up here. I did. Of, I this did. Is a, an, an EP, a release. What What is out? What is music anymore? What do we call things? <laughs> right. The it's fact like, that I'm even holding something physical. This is like, you know, I know. a relic of the past. This hey. is like, you know, the fifth element right here. I love CDs and I still, I like vinyl. I like analog shit. Deal with it. Sounds good. So songs to shut the door. Yeah. Is this going to be the debut release here or have you put out stuff before this? Technically, yes. Well, I, I did put out a demo a long time ago, but because of... I mean, we didn't have social media back then mm-hmm. in the 90s. Um, so I did release like an out of the trunk EP called Hot and Stupid a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. A great name. <laughs> it's uh, an ode to to how I like my men. Okay. <laughs> no, it's a joke. Uh, and also how, how people perceive me uh, as well. Sure. So, yeah, um, I put that out and it didn't really go anywhere because I didn't really give it to anybody. I just didn't think it was all that great. And... Then I decided to resurrect a couple songs from it by re-recording those in a little bit of a different way. So three of the songs are, um, two are on that EP and then one is um, just an older song and the other three are newer songs. Um, Yeah, so the EP, oh my gosh, it's been an interesting process. Um, It always is. It's always so much work to even put together, you know, five songs and get them released. I think a lot of people that aren't in our realm of independent music, it's really easy, I think, to take for granted how much work goes into even just putting together five songs. So anytime anybody that I know, even if it's somebody that I hate, or I'm like, you know, fuck their music, which I'm not, I'm not really that kind of guy, okay. but I like to pretend that I'm mean just because, you know, <laughs> mean, mean people always win. So I like to <laughs> pretend that I am mean, but uh, regardless, I'm always really excited to see anybody releasing anything. Cause I know there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. Um, this, which I, uh, I have a video diary on my YouTube channel. It's really more so for my shitty memory so I can recall what I was doing. But this has been a process. I've recorded things before in the studio, like um, mostly in my early 20s. I I worked as kind of like a hired bass player here mm-hmm. and there. But I have experienced so many mishaps. If you watch the video diary, you just hear me bitch and moan about, I mean, everything. I sliced my thumb. I sprayed my hand. Like the pandemic, 
family shit. Like you name it. Exposure to tear gas. Oh yeah. I got gas in the face. Forgot about that. Okay. okay. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. Right before my vocals. Right, right before the vocals. Yeah. It was like, you couldn't play this out any more scripted. Like Lemony Snicket's like, here we come. You know, here's another mishap. But um, no, it was, it was really a good, it didn't feel like work to me. It felt fun. There, there were only a few moments where I was frustrated and then I went home and sort of like reconfigured things to come back to the studio. Cause I don't like when I get frustrated, if there's a roadblock, it's not going anywhere. We'll just stop and yeah. come back to it another time. That's the best thing that you can do when you're in a creatively frustrating situation is to always take a step away from it because the yeah. longer you're in it, you're just going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're not feeling it, just say, hey, dude, I'm not feeling it. Let's just call it. Even if it's only been a couple hours, it's like, that's fine. We'll come back. It's just, you don't want to create when you're in like a crappy headspace yeah. or a bad attitude in the studio. Like, I really try not to do that. Um, well, I find that, you know, it could be really difficult for people in our position because we're not working on stuff 24-7. We don't have that luxury. Yeah. So, you know, if we're dedicating, you know, this four hours this week to work on this stuff, and if three of those four <laughs> hours are dog shit, you're going to be pissed, especially if you were spending the rest of your week looking forward to these four hours and mm -hmm. then, you know, you fuck it up or something uh, or somebody else fucks it up. That's even worse. You're like, come on. Yeah. You know, like we don't got all the time in the world. Yeah. But also it's like still, it's just like art. So it's like inherently worthless, but also like <laughs> it means a lot to you, but like, it's not nothing to like, don't beat yourself up over it. It's yes. fine. Yes. But That's I mean, important. we're artists, so we have ego problems. So of course, you know, it's the end of the world when things don't go our way. Sure. I, I mean, I can't speak for other artists. I don't have an ego issue. I have a self-deprecating, okay. I suck type of attitude issue that I'm always trying to work on and be like, mm, I don't suck that bad. Okay, it's not, it's not the worst. I really try to avoid the alternative, which is, you know, thinking that you're the shit. And Yeah, I still think that like even in a self-deprecating thing can still be ego-driven. It's possible. for. I mean, at least, you know, in some situations that I've experienced where, you know, the fact that I'm, it's like, okay, I'm putting myself against other people or other situations, other albums, other songs. And like, why doesn't this sound this good? Why can't I do this? But the fact that I think that I should be able to be as good as somebody else is still an ego issue. Yes. I agree. But I'm not that. a fucking psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not psychoanalyze yeah. the process. But you got it done. Yes. Through all, all, all the trials and tribulations of yeah. oh. uh, open wounds and tear gas Dude. and whatever else you okay. did. It. And it keeps going from there. If I'm really going to just touch on it, like uh, might as well, might as well long just format <clears throat> ranting, <clears throat> get it out off on some bullshit. <laughs> Fucking Spotify taking several weeks to upload my shit. Oh yeah. They, yeah. You got to upload stuff at least five, six weeks. Oh, I know it, it was just delays here and there with the distribution. It's been a month delayed with the CD production and it's really related to put some people on blast. Who not, are you going through for distribution? So much, it's not so much the people while well, distribution. That's one thing they fucked up. The CD stuff is really COVID related with vendors Fair enough. shipping. Totally. 
Should we put distribution on blast? How much do we care about CD? Well, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> so I would say it's important to talk about these things because sure. people that are watching and listening to this are going to be other idiots and bands that are going to be releasing an album at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So if we can help our idiot friends, okay. we may as well. I will tell you what happened. Um, in, the, in the most concise way possible, there was an error. You know, you fill out everything for your distribution. If you're using CD Baby, you fill out everything online. Mm -hmm. And you choose your partners. So like YouTube Music, Amazon Music, Apple Music. You choose who you want to distribute to. I chose all of them. And for some reason, when everything was processed, um, Spotify and YouTube Music were not on there. And then to go and rectify that was extremely difficult. It just took multiple emails and them not understanding what the issue was. So it, it was corrected maybe two weeks after the release. And then the other issue was with my um, publishing, their system wasn't recognizing my BMI artist number. So that just took a while to fix as well. Which that sucks. It's not a huge deal because you'll get paid eventually and for, this project is really not about getting paid, but if you are trying to get paid for your music, that's a big deal. You need your publishing to be correct. Oh yeah. If, I, if I need to listen to fucking <clears throat> Ringo Starr complaining about Spotify royalties, I know I'm fucked. Game over. I'm not even worried I mean, about it at this point. I give a fuck about Spotify. <laughs> I will say that. Sorry. I'm not a fan. Um, I will say this. Um, I guess it. now is a, a good opportunity to, talk about this since it's kind of a hot topic recently. A lot of people were talking about Spotify and ripping off artists. I think artists need to get over themselves. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's my two cents. <clears throat> if you want to make, I mean, I know this, it's kind of a, a shitty thing to say in end times because we can't play shows, mm -hmm. but all things considered, I feel like if you want to make money as a band, write good fucking songs, mm -hmm. tour, make physical product, and just yeah. let the streaming thing be the thing. So if some yes. idiot blogger wants to write a post about you, they could put a link to your song in the post and people who have never heard you can hear it. I feel like Spotify is the best vessel just to get your music in front of people that have never heard it. And when it's I true. have this medley of people on my friends list that have six monthly listeners on Spotify talking about not getting paid, I'm like, dude, just kiss my ass. Write better songs, work yeah. harder. Don't worry about Spotify. I but I could be wrong. Yeah. That's just my two cents. Sorry. No, I, I have got. I told you I was feeling frisky. No, today. It's I don't know what so it is. Much. I apologize. Cheers to that. Got, <laughs> I just don't want to monopolize. Like, I've got feelings about it. Do you no, uh, no, please, please about? counter, counter me. I am not, I know that I'm not 100% right and everyone's feelings are valid. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned with how Spotify and things like that work, I, I don't agree with the algorithm. I think that uh, the fact that they have boasting 248 million. Uh, subscribers, and I don't even know how many of those subscribers are actually paid. So you even take half of that and multiply it by the amount that it costs per month, $10. It's a billion dollar industry. Sure. I mean, a year, billions a year. And I, I definitely think that they could take better care of their artists, but I also don't understand their algorithms. I don't understand how anyone's supposed to monetize something that's streaming. Um, it's a total foreign market to me. Um, I agree with, you know, writing better songs, getting out there, touring, selling merchandise and, and, and things like that. But I do find that when the highest consumption of music is streaming, uh, you have to at least 
make it a little bit more accessible to the artists, especially people who aren't ever heard of or uh, they don't have much of a physical audience because yeah. they don't play shows. For instance, I, I actually know a lot of artists that all they do is write and release stuff. They're not bands that actually tour or could play a show. Um, but does that mean that they're any less important than a band that could tour? You know, I, I, I don't think they are any less important. I think they're just as. So I agree with some of what you're saying. <laughs> sure, sure. Certainly not all of it. Sure. Yeah. I think that there's an, if I'm going to scale back my intensity and be a little bit more level headed, I think that the interesting thing is because, like, going from my perspective, you know, I play in a couple bands. I have a death metal band, I have a hip hop project, and we have all of our music on Spotify. And we haven't, n- neither of these projects released albums last year. We don't really post much stuff. You know what I mean? We have, you know, several thousand hits on this and that, you know what I mean? When I go on a distro kid in our bank, like we made like almost a grand off of streams. Mm-hmm. That's great. And it wasn't that many streams. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I feel like, okay, like maybe for Ringo star, you know, that's nothing, you know, but for, I feel like for an independent band, you can make a lot more money on there than I think people realize if they're willing to push it more. I wonder how much of it is like people that just like see articles and want to feel like, Oh, like it's me against the world. So they share this sort of stuff. But in terms of the algorithm, I totally get where you're, I don't know how any of this stuff works. Mm -hmm. I spent the majority of my life just trying to figure out how to make cool songs. I'm not a business person. The thing that sucks about the music industry now is that we all have to be business-minded, yeah. but that's not what I'm good at. Right. And I don't yeah. want to have to be good at that to be a successful musician. So that sucks. Mm. The fact that we need to understand these things. Like, I mean, I've been making music for, I don't know, maybe the past 15, 16. I don't know how I'm getting older by the day. I've known it's been a long time. I've been making music, <laughs> but I never said the word algorithm until I was like 34 years right? old. Right. Not even in fucking math class. Yeah. It's just day. like, it's just, you not, mean logarithm. It's not my thing, but I think <laughs> it's important to like actually have, um, I mean, this has nothing to do with your band. So I apologize for going on to a tangent, <laughs> but I just think that my main point is I think bands need to be a lot more accountable for their bullshit. And so many people yeah. just aren't. <clears throat> I do think a lot of bands just bitch and moan and their expectations are skewed. Um, we all know what a song should cost roughly per stream. Like, you know what I mean? Um, you're not going to make that much that way. Really, like you said, it's touring, merch, physical sales. That's where your money's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to make money at this and then you know, maybe collaborating with other people and getting hired that way uh, is another way to make money. But I don't know. I I think that mm-hmm, my situation is interesting because I had this as a career in my 20s, kind of took a hiatus for a while and I'm coming back to it. So I've got a different opinion and a different direction than a lot of artists. I'm not looking for monetary success. I really just want people to hear stuff. I'd love it if someone picked something up for like TV and movies, but I could give a fuck about the radio. Like I'm just not interested. If it gets there, great. These guys might disagree. Uh, Well, the the, the interesting thing, you know, is that there is no real right or wrong, but I feel like the whole idea of just like 
like, oh, like all streaming is bad. Blame Spotify. Like, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> I get it. But we can also just just put the music there, but still just put, yeah. just put your shit everywhere. Put it everywhere. And try to just get it in front of people. <clears throat> yeah. I think the ultimate point is I think whenever I just see people that barely use bands that barely use the service or bands that are again, the six monthly listener thing, not to, I'm not going to throw anybody under. There's a few people <laughs> that I would love to, but I'm just not going to do it because I'm nice. Yes. I did, it's just like, it just work more on yourself. Work harder. Now is not the time to be complaining about the Spotify guy. Yeah. No. When nobody's listening to your band. I just say work harder. I just, I do think that, uh, I'll keep I'll keep my personal views of Spotify. Um, well, you know, all, we've, already, all this, we've already shit on it enough. All, all, I mean, <laughs> hey, download my podcast on Spotify. Um, I mean, whenever, my shit's on there. I mean, yeah. what am I talking no, it about? Is. No, you know? it's it's just a, I, it's important to have these conversations, yeah. even if you're wrong. I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> not you. I'm talking me. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm an idiot. But what I'm saying, what we should be saying, what I want to talk about is this. Promoting music is wild and all of us have been in multiple projects and have done a lot of things over the years. So we have a much different, I think we have a better understanding maybe of how all of this thing, all of this works. Cause it's not like we're just in one band that have done this one time, you know, like you, you play in 10 bands or whatever you're just saying. So 20 actually, have you noticed any particular difference from like band to band or maybe style of music to style of music in terms of like trying to promote things online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen some of my former clients uh, are really good at their online presence, so to speak. Um, whether they do targeted ads or they are just constantly up with uh, <clears throat> posting new material or new photos or just any any type of thing. Like how, actually how I met uh, Alex here he was the drummer of a band called Old Neon and it was uh, through Old Neon that I got Alex to come and play drums for Jamie's record. Mm -hmm. But um, they are a good example of someone who I'd say has a good understanding of online presence because they're constantly posting things all the time, um, whether it's new material or what they're up to or or new uh, logos or... Yeah, he's always just doing something, whether it's just the name of the band in a neon font, like a neon sign font, mm -hmm. or practice videos. There's just... He has a presence. Yeah. And then, of, of course, I, I know people that don't even have like uh, a social media for their band or have a very low presence so yeah. to speak in in social uh, media form yeah it's interesting because i've had some bands on the show that have very low social media presence but the episodes do really really well and then i've had the flip you know i've had you know i've recorded episodes with people that are on bands on warp tour and nobody listens to it Wow. But I think what's interesting is just like knowing your audience. And if we're going to have that conversation about my show, my audience is like mostly musicians and creatives that live in and around Pittsburgh and their friends, you know? Okay. So if a band from Pittsburgh's on the show, it's usually going to do pretty good because people know the people they're interested in their friends. Okay. But like, if it's just some dude from Warp Tour, there might be people that know who that band is, but the people that know that band don't know who I am. So it's just, it's just kind of, 
it blurs out. Yeah. Like I did, um, like the most recent one that I did that should have done well was I did one with the old singer of Real Friends, this guy named Dan. They're this, they're like I'm a sorry. pretty big deal pop punk band. I feel like I should know them. Um, and he's a super nice guy. It was a really cool episode. And I, don't know, I mean, it just didn't do really any better or worse than any other episode, which That's was weird. super interesting because you know he he like retweeted it and everything, and he's one of these motherfuckers that has like forty five million thousand followers <laughs> and stuff, but oh, wow. people don't know who I am, so like it doesn't really matter. So I think it's really just about knowing your audience online and marketing to them. But like, you have to actually be able to build that audience. Yeah. But again, a lot of people, they don't have audiences that are online. Mm -hmm. Like I have a fucking, I play in a metal band and you know, we go to a show and we'll sell CDs to a bunch of 40 year old metal heads. Nice. They're not on Instagram. Those uh, people aren't on Instagram. Oh, I see. I so see. it's like this weird thing where, it's, 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 it's so, I don't know how to put it. Like I just had, when I was talking with Chris from punchline recently, he was on the show. He was talking about when they were touring with gin blossoms, how they sold way more CDs than when they're doing other tours, because it's like a crowd that still buys CDs. Sure. So it's like one of those things where it's like, if you have a sound that is accessible enough that you could put it in front of all these different markets, go for it. It's just like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I heard that conversation you had with him and it was like, simultaneously really obvious, but also really enlightening. I just never thought about it like that. D different demographics. Some people buy CDs. Some people drive a car that don't even have a CD player. Yeah. Yes. I just never really thought about that. Yeah. yeah. I remember way, way <clears throat> back 2011, I was playing in a hardcore band and our bass player made us cassette tapes of our EP. <laughs> and this was like right at the, the, when cassettes were starting to come back, I'm pretty sure that they've kind of gone at this point again. Or there's, ish, I don't know. Ish, gone, ish. Maybe yeah, it's you know full circle-ish. I work at a uh, I work at a record <clears throat> distributor, and we still still people still buy cassettes from us. So wow. I guess it is a thing. But yeah. to your point, what somebody had said to me because they were like, "Oh, cool, you've tapes. I only have a tape player in my car." Right. You know, I mean, now everybody has fucking Bluetooth hooked through yeah. their fucking, you know, eye socket going sure. into their <laughs> full color display Tesla screen or whatever the hell everyone's driving. Yes, for the most Do part. Do we all have Teslas? We all have Teslas, right? Negative. We're, all, we're have, all rich and famous. I have two. Negative. I drive his second Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I let him. My car doesn't dance. Sorry. No, yeah. sorry. Just so. I've noticed um, even with like the little things that I do, I, I don't have... I have a very, very small online presence, but I'll like make one song at a time and post it on Instagram or Facebook. The genre matters tremendously. If I do like a Nora Jones cover with my wife, everyone I know comments on it and they love it. If I do like an 11 minute prog metal song, <laughs> um, you can look it up on SoundCloud. The latest thing I did, it has one listen and it was my mom. <laughs> Thanks, okay, mom. to be fair, it's because... <laughs> On my fucking phone, I have to copy and paste the link. I'm about to listen. <laughs> I'm about to have wow, two, two listens. Yeah. Things are going two. well. And which is funny. I'm going to heart that shit. So, just, yes. Yeah. You won't have three, though, because I'm probably not going to listen to it. <laughs> oh, fuck you. So, no. your Tesla privileges are revoked. Damn it. <laughs> this gets okay. into uh, another interesting thing. And I alluded to this earlier. I am not getting any younger by the day. And unless. 
one of you have figured out something that I haven't, we're also not getting younger. But youth drives music. Social media is definitely youth driven. And it's really hard to create music without thinking about how people online are going to interact with it. But like I listen to music that people that are younger are liking. And for the first time in my life, I feel disconnected from it. I spent a really long time not feeling disconnected from what the kids like. I was like, oh, I could get that. It's not my thing, but I can get that. But now if I listen to the radio, I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to be that guy, but I have turned into that guy. I used to be with it, but then I changed what it was. It's not you. It's the radio. Well, I mean, well, I've just grown out of it. And now I've, so at least I feel like I've grown out of it. Maybe it has changed. Maybe I do still get it and they don't get it. That would be an optimal situation, right? I'm right. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is wrong. I wish, but most likely that's not the situation. And I'm just so interested now in terms of like, where modern music is, how I feel about it getting older, and also the way people are consuming music. Because even yeah. outside of Spotify, I mean, there's people that are writing songs to blow up on TikTok. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate sure. the fact that there's a there's a songwriting part of me that respects how difficult it is to write a hook that's quick enough to mm-hmm. catch the attention of somebody on TikTok. But also, the artist in me is like, dang, like, I miss songs. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of weird. How do you all feel about just like the way young people listen to music? I know that's a weird question. I don't even know how old everybody at the table is, but answer it to the best of your abilities. (laughs) So at least from my perspective, um, as a recording engineer, I've definitely seen a change in there being the want to record an album and then it's gone to the EP and now, right now, we're at EP and singles. That's like very much what people are are mostly recording, and they're for consumption because maybe people's attention spans aren't to the point of consuming a ten or twelve or even fifteen song album, but a five song or three to five songs. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll I'll buy that. I'll pick that up, or a single for that matter. Uh, very popular, very popular uh, projects that I've been working on, um, and I find it interesting that in how you, how you put it, you brought TikTok, that's like, what, like 10 seconds? And, yeah, 15, 15, but you know, 15. tomato, tomato. I mean, every, everything is is getting shorter and shorter. Um, that Like, I, I, I actually kind of hate the concept of Quibi, but that's a whole streaming platform based off of a 10-minute video. Like, well, YouTube can do that, but they want to be different. Anyways, my point is that I find that things are getting shorter and shorter. and the consumption or the ability to consume content has become shorter and shorter. Yeah. There's been like, sometimes there's some songs that I've heard on the radio where I'm like, Oh, this is cool. But like a full song now is like intro verse chorus done. No, it's so true. And I'm like, what? <clears throat> How are you getting yeah. away with this? Because I, nobody yeah. cares. It's just like, it's enough for the TikTok video. It's yeah. like, it's gotten bad enough. I've like just, driving, hearing songs on the radio. I've like rearranged songs in my mind. The example I'm thinking of, I forget the singer, but it's that I'm Only Human song. I'm not familiar with it. Came out a couple years ago. It's poppy, but he's kind of a soulful singer. Whatever it is, it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Mm-hmm. Is that Red, Red, uh, what's that? I know that. I, I want to say Leon Redbone, but that's not him. It's uh, <laughs> uh, the rags to... Okay, we're getting there. Rag, okay, there's uh, a rag in rag the name. Ragman rag rag Bone? 
Right. Something. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Mr. Bone Ragman. Cool. Okay. So whatever it is, I just, I love that song, but I hate it because like, there, (laughs) shut up. There's like, (laughs) the bridge is. It's only human after all. Yeah. (laughs) I think that either there's a key change or he rides on the dominant for a long time, but it's a departure and it's like, okay, we're going somewhere. And then it's like four measures. And then you're back to the chorus. And I just, it would be such a better song if he drug it out for 16 measures. He changes keys and you're in a different universe. And the, you know, listeners like us who appreciate a six minute long song really, I feel like would want him to go further. But it's all about that two minute long pop song these days. You know what's so funny? Rag and Bone Man. That's it. No songs idea. have gotten shorter that should be longer but movies that should be shorter have gotten longer three hours what's long. up with that I yeah agree. I was gonna say movies three hours of some Marvel so bullshit. it's not like an attention span thing it can't be well there there That's is an point. element to that though because like I remember a few years ago my wife and I would go and watch um, uh, whenever a theater would re-release like oh, yeah, 2001 like or something. Back to the Future. Yeah, and you, you, or, or yeah. 2001, for, for example. Yeah, I have uh, 52 minutes to spare. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you just, you're watching a scene happen for five minutes. You're just watching a landscape. And it actually makes you kind of appreciate, oh, wow, like I don't have to see something click in front of my face 30 seconds of like, intense uh, screen time of everything, of, of a fight or any, any kind of like sequence. Um, it, it lets you relax a little, you know, yeah. just like to, mm-hmm. to, to watch an older movie or listen to an older song. But I find that interesting that you, that, that juxtaposition between some movies that could be shorter are longer and movies or songs that could be longer are shorter. That's hmm, intriguing. I like what you're saying about yeah. different cameras. I've picked up on that, like different, the time it takes to go to a different scene. Yeah. I've noticed, especially action movies. Oh, the quick edits. It's all about uh, having six cameras and we're going to show from this angle, then that it's, angle. Yeah. It's nauseating. <laughs> it's going back to the conversation of the algorithms and outside of Spotify, the way people are fed things now is really infuriating to me. And I don't understand it, but I was actually just having this conversation with Stacy earlier. Stacy is an artist. Hi, Stacy. I love you to death. You my boo. She's a talented artist. She does a lot of handmade pottery and all this stuff. And she has quit her job and she's doing this full time. Like she's really into it. But as a result of this, she's getting a lot more interested in how algorithms and business and marketing, all that stuff work. And we were just talking about how the thing that's kind of fucked up about the way all social media works now and how it's algorithm driven is it's like, it's not like anybody goes on there to just go onto her page to look at her pottery or to listen to our music. It's like you're fed this explore page of just random content and people just scroll through it and there's no way to absorb any of it. It's like it's like you're at the grocery store and you're trying to figure out like which fucking mustard is the good mustard to get. There's so many different kinds of mustard. You got yellow mustard. There's deli ground stone mustard. Do you want a Dijon mustard? I could keep going, but I won't. I'm just saying it's really hard, but you're like doing that. But with something simple in your life, just like, oh, like fucking Brian released some songs. Alex released some songs. It's like, okay, okay. Like I'll like it because like I'm excited that they're doing stuff, but I won't engage with it. And then it's so like, how do we, I don't know how, 
anybody is supposed to train their brain to being okay with watching that five minute long chill scene, not seeing everything change so much. I feel like everybody feels like they're constantly missing out and everybody's playing a perpetual game of catching up. It's like nobody picks up their phone. I was going to pick this up as if it was my phone, but I threw my phone over there. I forgot Your about that. Um, <laughs> nobody picks up their fucking phone to be like, I'm going to casually enjoy some entertainment. It's always like, I need to see what everybody's been doing. I have to catch up. You feel like you're feel lost. Like I, I feel like that. I, feel like I that. envy I'm you. Yeah. No, I, I'm kind of, I have a very different attitude toward all of that stuff. Well, tell us, enlighten us. Like, I don't feel the need to really be in the know. I, I go after what I'm curious about. I actually do listen to people's stuff. Like people send me like anonymous DMs all the time. I'm sure you get some of that too. Like here, like check out my link to my song. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll listen. And I'll actually go to people's YouTube channels and listen. I've listened to people's mixes. I've had people send me mixes. Like I am not an engineer by any means, but I have an ear for production. And so I will listen to people's mixes and be like, this is off, that's off. And that's just my opinion. But I will take the time for that. I feel like People that appreciate art and or artists themselves will do that. The rest of society just doesn't give a fuck. And they may have during quarantine because they were forced to. But let's just be real. They don't really value art as a viable source of living. Or yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's money. You know. I don't know if it's people <laughs> not valuing art as much as okay. it just means something different to them. Sure. You know what I mean? Like maybe means less like. You could fucking put that bottle of Macallan 12 in front of most people and they're going to be like, oh, cool. But like, I get it. I have a bottle of Macallan 15 on the wall. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I love this stuff. But I know like, you're only bringing it up because your glass is empty. <laughs> would, you, would you like some more? I was, I, the time I, has come. I will take some more. That wasn't why I was bringing it up, <laughs> okay, but I, okay. I do appreciate it. I mean, I don't like that you're lying to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was saying that there's a nuance to this. So you un you appreciate this on a different level or maybe some other people, it's whatever. I mean, craft sure. beer is a lot like that too. Oh, subjective. Yeah. It's you know. for art in general. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, for some people, all art, regardless of what it is, is a can of PBR. I mean, but like a lot of people like PBR, they have their time for PBR. Tastes like pennies, just saying. <laughs> Do you get the analogy that I'm saying though? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think that like being an artist, it's like, yeah. it's a lot different. And it's kind of like, I think that there's a, a, a thing though. I think that there's a way for us to take this knowledge, if it is knowledge, and utilize it. Like how do you empathize with the average listener? How do you create and market to the average person that doesn't, they're not going to understand the nuance or the importance of the key change in the Billy Joe Bob song or whatever, whoever it was. Yeah. I think it's Rag and Bone Man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Billy Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, Billy Joe Bob. Boner Man. Uh, yeah, so they're not going to get that nuance, but yeah. that song's on the radio. People get it for some other reason, right? People yeah. like it for some reason. So what is the reason that they like it and how can we apply those things to what we're doing? I think um, people like what you were just saying, people who do make art appreciate art more than the average consumer. For instance, I like Dream Theater, that mm, prog metal uh, band. I don't know anyone who listens to Dream Theater who isn't a musician. Because we listen to it and we're like, yeah, Mike Portnoy. <laughs> yeah, 13-minute 
song with key changes I mean, and polyrhythms. Jordan Rudis, if we're going to talk about Dream Theater members, <laughs> is my dude. There's there's no one I dislike in yeah. the band <laughs> other than, yes. can I talk about Mike Mangini on this? Can I say bad things about Mike Mangini? Sure. Okay. I don't have anything specific prepared. I just like Portnoy. But I don't know anyone who's not a musician who likes Dream Theater. I think that if you're a musician, you have the attention span for a 15-minute song that tells a story. And if you're not, you're more inclined to listen to a three-minute long Fallout Boy song. Sure. I mean, there's, I mean, there are plates of food that are like that. I feel like it's hard to really get into some stuff unless you're a foodie or mm-hmm. even some cinema can be like that. You notice I use the word cinema instead of movies because we're going to be a <laughs> real douchebag. What is, here's the question. Here's a good question. So there's film, movies, cinema, right? Mm-hmm. Music. And what? Comp- like, composition. Oh, yes. There you go. Yes. God damn it. Quick, L- listen quick, to my new composition. Quick draw McGraw. That's it. Hell yeah. <laughs> composition. So yes, one does definitely listen Film. to dream theater compositions. Yeah. yeah. But you listen to a rag and bo- rag- <laughs> raggedy, <laughs> raggedy bone man yeah, song. Raggedy, raggedy Ann. I, I mean, it's a great song. I don't want to, but. Is he, more people probably listen to that raggedy bone man than do dream theater on a daily basis. Sure. So from a business standpoint, I mean, he probably could compose something that sounds like dream theater, but maybe he's going for streams. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's always interesting whenever you get into nerdy interviews with like people in bands that know other people in bands. And I remember reading a Rolling Stone thing once. It was like an interview with Jack Johnson yeah. of all people. You remember Jack Johnson? Mm-hmm. Singer, songwriter yeah, guy. Kind of yeah, guy, right? acoustic-y yeah. singer-songwriter guy. It was an interview with him or something in an issue of Rolling Stone. At the time, I was a key manager at Blockbuster Video and I was very <laughs> bored. And this is why I was reading the Rolling Stone. Not that I felt like I had to clarify that, but... It may be like, why is Brian reading Rolling Stone interviews I, with Jack I felt Johnson? Uncomfortable before, but now that you've contextualized, Anyways, yeah. yeah. So there, he was talking about how um, him, the drum, I for, a drummer that played with the Mars Volta and a bunch of other bands, but I can't remember his name. Thomas Pridgen. It wasn't Thomas Pridgen. It was the he played on the earlier stuff. Thomas Pridgen's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Though, that dude rules. <laughs> um, but it was Jack Johnson, this drummer, and Kirk Hammett had like a little jam thing together because I guess they all lived close together (laughs) and they would just hang out and jam. And it's like, okay, like, you know, thrash metal guitar solo god, singer, songwriter, schmuck, and, you know, proggy jazz fusion, crazy drummer guy. Like, cool. I would Mm -hmm. love to be there. Sounds great. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, you never know, like, you know, Jack Johnson could easily have some fucking gnarly ass prog rock album in his back pocket, but it's just like, hey, you know, that's just not what, I, I mean, I, I'm into that stuff, but I've made my living doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no different than somebody that, you know, is a, a sous chef at like a, some crazy American gastropub being like a crazy fucking sushi chef on the side as well. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, well, yeah. I, I've actually always appreciated a storyline that it, it, like, let, for instance, when a band that is commercial breaks up and then some of the members of that band or one goes on to be more in depth, more profound, or it's just a, a real talent 
Um, and it's very rare that it happens. And there, there's a few uh, instances that it has in our lifetime. But um, I always, I, I love that rags to riches kind of thing. But they already had the riches. They maybe they they got signed really early, really young, uh, introduced into the in the industry, fell out of it, and then went on their own way. Or um, Miley Cyrus. Like, like Miley Cyrus or you know, Justin Timberlake or whoever. I mean that genuinely. Actually, I, I do that too. <laughs> I, I have no shade. Yeah. He's talented. Um, but like, I, and again, I haven't listened. I haven't listened to this album, but MGMT um, mm. were a, a huge band at one point, and their last release that they had was kind of not really received as well. Because Little Dark Age. Like, yeah, yeah. They were. They were. There. It was. But I, I did some research on it, and I found out that. They never wanted to really create the album that made them big. Uh, that was, you know, producers and people who were in their pockets and, and getting them to do the things that they did for that album. They wanted to be more experimental, uh, more avant-garde. And uh, I actually don't fault any any artist, actor, or whomever um, going from what is appealing to the masses and then taking that opportunity and that platform and then uh, making what's appealing for themselves. No, 100%. And even in the case of a band like MGMT, that first MGMT record that has like like kids and all those songs on it, like that album is fucking weird. Like it's super accessible, but those songs are still weird. It was just like a- a, some sort of a strange right time, right place. They somehow caught a wave that nobody knew existed, but they just became yeah. the poster children for it for a couple years. Like, yeah, there's like 13 people in the band or some yeah. shit. <laughs> like, it has to sound good, right? I mean, you know, am I wrong? You know, I don't know. It's a gnarly, it's an ama- yeah, really, really cool. We're going to need yes. more members. I mean, <laughs> we do need another guitar player. Can you call your thing. weed dealer? <laughs> I mean, nah, we play the same instrument. He, he, can't, he can't roll with us. Sorry. Zinged. Sorry, guy. Zinged. Sorry. Yo, so in terms of like recording and production, I feel like you maybe have, you're probably recording all different kinds of bands, doing all kinds of different stuff. Try to. <clears throat> Before getting into audio engineering, did you have a different perspective on different genres of music has like being in this world opened your mind to like recording and maybe respecting styles of music that you didn't before? That's a good question. I I would say that I'm probably at my peak open-mindedness to music (laughs) where I used to say that, um, and I don't mean peak as in it's going to go downhill from here. I mean, (laughs) peak as in like, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially, I, I think I'm at the point where I can be open to working in any mm. type of genre. Whereas is growing up, I would say that, Oh, I listen to everything and, but there'd always be a, but except this or that. And, and I've gotten over that. I've gotten over some musical prejudices and uh, really embraced other genres and, and essentially Go ahead. Re- repeat, repeat your question. <laughs> My question. The short form, because I am very rambly and I apologize for this. And becoming a recording engineer and mm. your experience. 
as you've learned and become a better engineer, you start to become better understanding of how all styles of music are made. Mm -hmm. So has that opened your mind to different styles of music and things that you didn't appreciate before? Yes. Yes, it has. Um, and more so just working with anyone in a different genre than that's in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Like when, when Jamie came to me and she's like, I want to record a late nineties sounding alt rock album. I'm like, I'm your guy. Like that, that, is, <laughs> that is my wheelhouse. I, this is not a challenge for me. So um, what would be a challenge for you? Um, challenging would be, you know, stuff that's just not in my everyday. Like I, I really enjoy working with uh, some of my clients that do hip hop and, and uh, electronica and uh, synth hop and things like that. Those are not, in my day-to-day -day, mm -hmm. um, findings. Uh, I love the music. I listen to all types of music, uh, but that's definitely something that's I have not enough experience. Yeah, in. the thing that's so fucked up, especially for, I've, I've found this because like, I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of people that record. I self-record and do all my own shit, but I've been doing it for a long time. And whenever I'm talking with other people, uh, I mean, the difference is just between like mixing vocals on an indie rock track and mixing vocals on a hip hop track. It's like you look at your EQs and it's like, why would you do that? But it makes sense because like the instrumentation where like synthesizers sit in the mix versus where like guitar and drum like it's it's so different, you know, like and uh, it's cool. I love learning about that stuff. And I'm Same. sure like for you, you're just like, wow, like this doesn't seem like this should work at all, but it does. Why? Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually kind of funny when you uh, to go back to um, like how younger people consume music uh, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm I, I definitely don't understand what new music is and it's, <laughs> it's terrifying but I have some clients of mine and they come in and they uh, they're, they're rappers and what I really like about having them in the studio is it feels like having my finger on the pulse of something that's active like, uh, it's the first time I've actually ever felt connected to music that is alive versus music that's in a style of, or, you know, like, cause I, I love nineties alt rock, uh, aughts, alter, uh, indie, aughts indie. And that's to me is a time capsule that we can always go visit. But when these guys come into the studio and they put their music down, I feel like I'm a part of something that's actually currently happening. That's a really cool perspective. Yeah. That's super cool. Is that both musically and lyrically? Yes. Yeah. I think I was talking about this earlier with Stacy as well. Um, we were listening to, uh, well, she was listening to some Spotify playlist that I guess she had on in the car. She didn't know who any of the artists were. I didn't know who any of the artists were, but they were basically all like dollar store Billie Eilish's from what I could gather. Because like this is a new thing now is like this, that vocal style. Yeah. And I had the revelation earlier and I want to say this publicly. The, the, the Billie Eilish vocal style is like a modern day Eddie Vedder. Mm -hmm. I feel like people are going to be making fun of it so much. <laughs> this just, it's like Billie it's, Eilish it's a sounds like almost. a sleepy Amy Winehouse, yeah. Wine, Winehouse, yeah. Winehouse. Is so it's like a sleepy Amy Winehouse with no attitude, but somehow it has all the attitude in the world, which is so it's okay. like visually attitude is on like 1010%, but like the audio of it is like, 
it's so it's such a weird maybe that like yin and yang of that is what makes it work. I, I think uh, I hear a lot of yeah. apathy in the vocal yeah. style, I like, and I think that's like that's probably part of the appeal. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But I there are a lot of people doing it now. A lot, well, a whole lot. Aside from Billie Eilish, uh, I, I started a movement called <laughs> hashtag Flat on Purpose with, <laughs> with one of my songs where I purposely sing flat. And this guy's like, are you sure you want to do that? As an engineer, it's like, and I'm like, get the fuck out of my face. You should do that face. again. Yes. It's like, why do it again? No, I, just, just, just record it again. Let's, let, I, you like, weren't quite there. And she's like, no, let's sing, I was there. <laughs> let's see how flat we can sing without actually offending people. And let's see how people respond to it. I, it was kind of like touch and go with this. Poor Dan. I feel bad. He's kind of stuck in the middle. So it's kind of a, it was kind of an fu to the industry. Like, okay. let's see if the chorus doesn't come in within 30 seconds. If it's not a three minute and 30 second long song. Let's see if it's six minutes long. How about if we put 13 minutes in between this track and the hidden track? It's like, let's see how it goes. But um, I just find that I, I think uh, from my experience in L.A., being in a lot of bands and um, working with, I mean, no one knows who I am, but I have worked with a lot of people that are well-known and learn things from them. And I know the formulas and I think it's all bullshit. And so I was like, let's put out something that is like, yeah, let's make this six minutes long. Sure. And let's make, let's have three breakdown bridges. Why not? Like, you know, and just see how it's received. I really don't like following the formula of the A, B, A, B, C, B. Like, that's so fucking boring, yeah, dude. I get it. I'm sorry. But, you know. So, it's nice to play. Definitely. But it was definitely kind of like a fuck you. Let's see what uh -huh. happens when this goes live. I think that there's like a, a sweet spot in between the two for I me. I agree. Um, you know, I, I, I bring up this quote all the time, but a, a man by the name of H.J. Hines once said, I read this on the back of a ketchup bottle and it stuck with me. That just shows you the type of person I am. <laughs> to do a common thing uncommonly well brings success. H.J. Hines. And if we're talking about song structures, it's like the same thing as a fucking hamburger. Yeah. You know, the, the, the basic American burger. You can't go wrong. A piece of whatever protein, you know, it's 2020. Who knows what people are eating anymore, you know? <laughs> they eat Ikea furniture these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a vegetarian, by the way, but anyways, um, so I'll make fun of myself. Um, lettuce, tomato, onion, bun, that's it. But you can put that on any menu anywhere and people are going to be like, cool. I mean, they might get a little nuanced and picky over like what kind of cheese and right. condiments you have right. on there, but that's the key to writing a good song yeah. is not fucking with the structure of the burger, but picking the right cheese and condiments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So part two, excuse me. I haven't really told many people, but uh, it's on my Instagram. Worldwide like, exclusive. Ooh, part two is coming eventually. I'm, I just started writing. I got maybe two tracks, 80% done. And I've, I'm trying to finish admin stuff with this EP before going forward. But part two is going to be interesting because like this is kind of like my past, obviously. Uh, the 1999 resurrection plus a few new tracks. But <laughs> Part two is kind of like, it's a really, it's really where I'm at right now. And it should be interesting. I would like these guys to participate if Absolutely. at all possible. Mm -hmm. um, grungy, sexy, loud, current. That's kind of the vibe for part two. Awesome. Yeah. So, so what's the current status of this one right now? 
status What's now. the deal? Wait. Uh, I mean, I've, I have. <laughs> this camera's on. God damn it. Yeah. Um, One day I'll get this figured out. There it is. I mean, the status is, uh, obviously it's been streaming since August 20th. Um, so people can listen to this online yes. on Spotify, yes. our favorite social media platform. Yes. Follow it's me. Not, it's not, it's not, nice, nice follow save. the band yeah. on Instagram <laughs> at Flammable Animal. If you go to my uh, my bio, the link trees in there, you can basically look at, you can just click on whatever platform you prefer and stream it. Um, CDs are coming out hopefully this week, if not too far in the future. Um, the status is kind of like, I don't want to say I'm not promoting, I'm promoting, but um, it's just an interesting time. I mean, we've, we've sort of touched on this with musicians. It's like, yeah, I'm promoting, but at the same time, it's like, we can't play live, you know? So that's very limiting for what I do. Sure. Playing live is really my favorite thing to do. Being in the studio, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I hate on it, but it's not my favorite. Um, it's just a means to an end to get a product out there. I really prefer to just be in a dive bar playing for like, I don't know, hundred people, mm-hmm. 200 maybe pops. And I, I like keeping that vibe, you know, like local, small, independent, kind of my thing. As far as the status, I don't know. A few hundred people have streamed it, but I don't know. I should break out my old cell phones from LA and start texting some people. <laughs> I don't fucking know. No, I mean, I think that, you know, that you, it's one of those things where you, I'm not a very spiritual person. I'm not like about like energies and auras and, you know, metaphysical stuff, mm. but. I do fully believe that the energy that you put into something and that you surround it with is going to be contagious. Yeah. So you got to, you know, as much as I am, you know, self-deprecating as we talked about earlier and as much as I feel like, you know, whatever, it's just, I made some more music. Who needs more of this? You know, this isn't another fucking dream theater record. You know, it's just (laughs) me having that energy when you're telling people about it is like the worst. I mean, I am excited. I do make, Sorry, Dan. It's almost at your expense. I make fucked up jokes about my own EP, but I do really like it. And <laughs> I know. I, every time I post something fucked up, I'm like, oh, Dan's going to be like, <laughs> like I, I produced this and it's like, okay. But um, no, but I, the funny thing is like, I kind of wanted to see without going crazy, doing the normal, like, you know, steps to promote what, what kind of reception will it have if I just kind of hang back and, What's weird is that like I don't have a ton of fans because I haven't really reached abroad, but the fans that I have are like uber into it, dude. Like they're learning my bass lines, texting me like I listened to this in my car five times this week. And I'm like, all right, dude, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. No, that's great. Cool. Like, yeah, I think it's great. But it's just interesting. I kind of wanted to see without baiting people, you know what kind of response will it get? So that's kind of where this is. It's a very unorthodox, interesting type of approach. And interesting yeah, no, project. I think that, you know, put it out there, tell people about it. Don't beat them over the yeah. head. It's really easy to be annoying. Yeah, don't But also nice, you know? there was like, I had a moment somewhat recently when I realized somebody that I know was promoting their everyday lunch harder than I was promoting my own music. So I was kind of like, maybe I need to step it up just like a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just like the fact that it's like, you know, they have all this like energy around their stuff, but it's like, that's the kind of shit that people want to see though all the time. Like sometimes people just don't have the emotional energy to deal with your art unless it's like, you know, some dumb, fun, like pop thing. But if, you know, like I feel like, oh, I'm making real art. You know, this is a song about my life and my fucked up parents. I'm going to throw this in your lap at four o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon while you're hanging out, having a good day. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's weird <laughs> posting. Like I would say. <laughs> it feels weird posting stuff like that that is personal and you're competing against just on Instagram, other posts about look at my truck. Yeah. Look at what I had for lunch. <laughs> just. Like, it's this like is all in the same place. Yeah, this is something I worked on in my home studio for two years, and I'm sharing it with you today now. Eh, Skip, I want to hey, see, uh-huh. <laughs> see photos that's of someone's the, vacation. Oh, dude, that's the other thing that I've been talking about a lot, too, just in terms of, like, the... I mean, fuck, if you can... Maybe that's why people ended up gravitating towards trying to do these TikTok viral things, like, write something that's super short, super, super catchy to get people's attention because most people mm-hmm. will only give you a few seconds of time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I feel like a lot of my friends that are visual artists are doing really well right now because they can post a picture of their art that they worked on for two years. And for most people, they may only need to look at a piece of art for 10 seconds and they can mm-hmm. get it. Oh, and they're like, like, wow, that. this is a great artist. Yeah. But there's very few artists, bands They can play somebody 10 seconds of their song and be like, oh, now me as a listener, I have a full understanding of your entire discography and everything (laughs) you are as a person based on this 10 seconds. It's so different. With with writing music, I feel like it's, I've never done it before. I've never started with the chorus or the main riff first. I'm kind of an intro guy. I like to ease people into things, Mm -hmm. but that really doesn't work for scrolling through Instagram. Yeah, you I need like an in, a, attention getter at the beginning. I am not. Oh, I like. I would hope that I'm better at writing hooks now than I was over the past few years musically. That's probably been a huge focus for me. It's just mm-hmm. paying attention more to what makes pop music work, what makes hooks work. Like you know, how many syllables are too many syllables in a vocal hook? Like how many chords are too many chords? How much, Mm -hmm. you know, just like what's too much, what's not enough. There's no right answer. There's no perfect formula. Simple enough to be memorable, but profound enough to mean something. Mm -hmm. It's hard, especially uh, because like mostly with my death metal band, I'm not particularly worried about writing a catchy hook. Every once in a while, you know, I want it to stick Mm -hmm. with death metal in a weird way because people engage with that music differently. Everything has to be a hook. Every single riff, drum part, nuance has to keep people locked in. Mm -hmm. Like nobody just wants to have that part where they relax during a death metal song. Whereas in like in a pop song, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I can just like chill out and I'm waiting for the chorus. But with metal, it's Mm -hmm. like, I need it all, all the time. (laughs) Wait, sorry, I like metal, but I'm not like a, I'm not into, into metal. This is all new to me. Like that's really a thing. Like sure. people really feel like that, well, like collectively. That's my assumption. That's well, that's I like mean, a death metal, metal thing. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Metal yeah, guy, yeah, so yeah. Progressive like, metal, you're going to yeah. have your chill parts. Sure. If you're listening to Opeth or something, there's like, but, there's still verse chorus structure, but then sure. there's a three minute well, part in the beginning or in the, in the middle where it's just acoustic well, guitars and yeah. whatnot. But even with like somebody like Opeth 
or between the bear to me mm-hmm. or insert X prog metal band in here. Uh, I feel like there's still an attention to detail with every single part where every part has a purpose, mm-hmm. but sometimes in a lot of pop, it's like this song is written for the hook and these oh, verses sure. are just here to yeah. stitch filler. the parts together. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this, this, this verse means nothing. We may put the instrumental in an iPod commercial or something, but other than that, like this is the, the hook. That's what this hooks for. That's like a radio thing, right? Yeah. iPods don't even exist anymore. That shows how old I am. So I feel that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just trying to think more about how that stuff works. And with, my hip hop project, a lot of people that do hip hop, especially in my realm, which is more of like an indie underground hip hop, a really bad habit of people in that genre is writing hooks that are actually just short verses. Ah. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's this thing where it's like, it's all about lyrical content. You're trying to tell a story and there's sort of like this antithesis to radio rap that exists in that culture. So you don't want to write a hook that's too simple because like, oh, now this sounds like some radio stuff. But the problem is the simplicity works and nobody wants to hear a hook. That's just another verse. So it's like, how do you mend that? How do you marry those worlds together? People do it, but it's just like, you got to be thinking about it when you do right. Again, metal is not my background. I'm (laughs) I'm familiar, but I mean, a verse is not a hook. Like what, what's happening there? I mean, maybe I need to to examine some shit. It's like, it's, well, I mean, it, it is, may not, it, it may not be, I see what you're saying. It's like, as if we're talking like in terms of like, like musical structure, like it may yes. not be a refrain, right, right, right. but if you think of like hook in the concept of just something that really catches right, a listener, ca- okay. you know I what I mean? What if you saying. have like a metal song, like there could be just like this one specific guitar lead that's sure, going sure, sure. in the verses or something hooky. It's not yeah. the, I or like some saying. weird, you know, yeah. ride bell thing or whatever. Sure, it could be whatever. anything. There's just like, yeah. it's always focused on hooks, but with, okay pop a lot of time like you'll have pretty much all melody kind of stripped out there's kind of stuff in the background baseline drums vocal melody going and then mm-hmm. everything comes in on the chorus mm-hmm. but with metal it's a lot different it's always like how much can we cram in here yes i agree i agree i find that interesting i i think yeah what you were saying they kind of pop producers they sort of simplify it for people because there's always that drop there's like a, a quarter note rest and then everything comes in on the chorus. Yeah. Kind of to tell you, hey. <laughs> hey, dummy, so you, it's the hook. Just so you hey, know, this is the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, there was that one guy, um, I think it's Bo Burnham. Yeah, yeah. Comedian, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the funniest thing that I ever heard him say, it was that country song that he had on YouTube. Um, and it was a country song parodying pop country. Mm. And- yeah, it's great. About three quarters of the way through, um, he like hits a five chord and he's like, y'all dumb motherfuckers want a key change? Here we go. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's like, it's just like about how pop music makes it so easy. Like between the buried and me, it's like, okay, now we're going to do a fretless bass solo. It's, <laughs> it's more subtle, but pop music is like, <laughs> all right, listen. Chorus. Have you ever seen any of those videos oh. where like uh, people will throw like, you know, like 20 different country songs into a DAW on top of each other yes. and like, yeah. everything's yes. in the same, same EPM, same key, yes. same yeah. format. Those are amazing compilation videos. <laughs> Go to YouTube mm-hmm. right now yeah. and look that shit up. I love that stuff. Hilarious. <laughs> yes. I mean, just a, a derivative of that is the uh, the four chords of awesome. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> 
favorite bits is finding a, a, the the four chords that are like the the it's it's essentially canon in D mm-hmm. uh, is is the <laughs> is the baseline. But uh, every single pop song ever written has used these four chords, mm-hmm. and 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 that's actually I kind of want to circle back just just for a moment on uh, when we when we talk about writing music and we talk about um, production and and finding what is a good song it's okay to be derivative i think totally i think think it's okay because music is inherently derivative Mm -hmm. um and i think the formula to finding a a popular source of music or or to to making a hit song is to have some semblance of nostalgia in it you know something that reminds somebody of another song that they also appreciate and knowing your audience of course is most important. I mean, if you want to write prog metal, prog rock songs, you know your audience. You're not going to come out the gates writing a country album. But I think it's okay. Unless you're Opeth. Yeah, unless <laughs> it, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's going that way. <laughs> but but I think it's important to like uh to to stretch your music genre vocabulary and and I think it's important to recognize that it's okay to uh, have referential music. Yeah. I think that, yeah, there's this weird thing where like Mm. as artists or creative people, we put too much value on the concept of individualism. Originality. And originality. It's like none of us are that original, but that's okay. Stop beating yourself up over that. Again, back to... The hamburger analogy, you know, if every song's a fucking hamburger, you didn't invent the hamburger. Yeah. The people that you grew up listening to didn't invent the hamburger. We're just finding different ways to make it. And most of yeah. the time, like, you know, it takes a real special type of douchebag that expects to hear the best song they ever heard every time they listen to music. Oh, well, those mm-hmm. people exist. They, exist. <laughs> they yeah. especially in the prog metal world, Damn. those people exist. <laughs> but for the most part, though. people just want to hear something that's good. People don't. You know, so this idea of like, oh, this needs to be the best or this is different. Just write something that's good. Yeah. Like, right. And something that makes you happy. Yeah. Be happy making your music. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, this is so cliche. It's going to sound really trite, but write what you like, write what you hear. Someone out there will appreciate it. Don't bend to what you think people want or whatever. Just, just do you. Well, very simple advice. uh, A part. Totally. You just engaged a second part to what I was just ranting about. Mm-hmm. I don't think people give a fuck about originality, but they do care a lot about authenticity. Passion. Yeah. 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 And the mm-hmm. Passion and authenticity. Yes. So, you know, it could be, you know, somebody could go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a Starbucks Frappuccino. This analogy is way off the rails. But if they just... <laughs> like, where's this going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Remix. I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Um, Don't worry. You get what I'm saying. Yes, I like know people exactly. just, for the most, again, that goes back into us talking about the way normal people engage with music. Yeah. Because music listeners and engineers and people behind the scenes engage with music in a way different way than the average person, the person who engages with music the same way they engage a can of PBR. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a thing where it's like, oh, like here's a a nice two roads IPA. And someone's like, "Eh, I don't care. Like, it's like, I'll drink it. Cool. This is good. But like, 
Also, I'm fine with the PBR. That's not most normal people just want something that they can enjoy in the moment. Sure. Relatability is a big thing too. Sure. And I think that's why uh, we kind of touched on it when I was making fun of pop country earlier. <laughs> like That is a brilliant, I hate it, but it's a brilliant way of delivering music because it's all relatable stuff. They're not talking about anything esoteric, no religion, no politics. It's just you know, nine to five work days and driving pickup trucks. Uh, Which I mean is, that's kind of a religion down there. Yeah, yeah. down there. That's, yeah. I, or for people in that culture, I would say. I'm, I'm not from, even down there. Unfortunately, I'm from that culture. I'm, I'm from Evan City, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's like that. But I mean, I, I hate that music, but I think it's brilliant. I don't know if it's right to say that it's pandering. Probably is. I mean, all music but, panders in some way. Yeah, it does. But I know, right. like, like I listen to Behemoth, but it's not because I'm a Satanist. <laughs> but I still like sure. that music. Yeah, yeah, sure. On the record, I'm not a Satanist. <laughs> but no, I get it. I've just noticed. I don't with, even think they are. <laughs> they, uh, they is say they are. I don't know. Satanist, or is that just like a no taking the piss? Like, <laughs> I feel like. I don't know. I, I've We're I, inclusive. Don't I've, worry. I've seen too many. I feel like I've seen too many photos of those motherfuckers smiling. Hey, Grace. Satan Grace. teaches the path to joy. That's true. And enlightenment. Hey, That's true. Let's not judge. I guess I'm thinking. Uh, I guess I'm using like a. I like to live deliciously. I guess I'm using a <laughs> satanic panic view of the 80s and not, you know, the modern what Satanism actually modern is. Modern Satanism. So much different, dude. Yeah. <laughs> really got to catch up. <laughs> I mean, I, I just mean like pop music and pop music, I think, tends to deal as far as the subject matter is concerned with really relatable day to day issues. And I think that's what makes it a lot more accessible. Sure. Yeah. It's, Whereas like no one listens to Wolves in the Throne Room and they're like, yeah, I, I went through something similar yesterday. But I feel like there is an interesting possibility for maybe not Wolves in the Throne Room. But some of these other bigger metal bands, like, okay, so Black Dahlia Murder, mm -hmm. they're a very big death metal band. Um, shout outs, the episode is up. Check out my episode with Alan Cassidy of the Black Dahlia Murder. It is okay. out now. It's not out yet, but it is out now by the time this goes up. <laughs> but those dudes, they found a way to make death metal, melodic death metal, insanely accessible, at least on a scale that they're operating, which is really cool. And I think it's because if like you listen to the production on their records, it's like we're okay with making things sound a little bit more polished. It's still raw, but like the vocals up in the mix, the vocals aren't lost, even if it mm -hmm. is a death metal vocal. And also the vocal styling is like, okay, this is aggressive, but you can make out some of the shit that Trevor's actually saying. It's not like a jumbled mess. I mean, you may need to have like a little bit of an understanding of that language of heavy metal, but it's a lot different than, you know, a band like Wolves in the Throne Room, who I have not listened to in a very long time. But when I did listen to them, it was a lot more of that like washed out lo-fi black yeah, metal sort of thing. It's poor production. Yeah. And I think that's intentional yeah. for the aesthetic they're going for. I guess the point that I was trying to make was that you can produce unaccessible types of music. But if you put it in a way where people can actually somewhat make out the vocal and hear what's going on and hear everything, like if it's a good mix, mm -hmm. people that don't like it, like that type of music generally might be more open to it. Because usually when you play metal for somebody, they're like, well, I don't understand what they're saying. Well, just make, yeah. if you make it 
a little bit more audible, some people might be into it. Sure. Because there are metal bands that have a reasonably, I mean, Pantera, they're one of the goddamn biggest bands ever. They changed metal undoubtedly, undoubtedly. But, you know, Phil had, has, I don't, whatever, he's alive, right? He didn't (laughs) die yet. I think so, Um, yeah. He has a voice that is very rough. It's a metal vocal, but you can understand every fucking word the dude's saying. Mm -hmm. So there's a way to balance it if you want to as a metal band. I think, yeah, with any genre. If you're actually trying to appeal to the masses, I mean, I don't know how else to say that kindly, but if you're trying (laughs) to appeal to a wide audience, I think that there is a way to balance it. And I feel like you have to know, I mean, uh, maybe I'm judging, but you have to know as an artist when you're alienating people a little bit by being too, you know, whatever in your head or oh, this dude and, and you have to know when you're you're trying to appeal to people like let's not be like you're not stupid you know that there, there is a balance there but i do feel like some people maybe um you know i don't know it, it depends on what your motivation is and who you want to reach that goes back into accessibility yeah. relatability sure. another thing that i think makes Bands like Black Dahlia Murder or Every Time I Die, which is another band that's fucking huge, is that they're fun motherfuckers. You know, they make aggressive music, but they're really fun people. And I'm sure when it comes to social media and engaging with things like Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder has been doing a whole bunch of like fun cover songs with other people online during quarantine. And the Every Time I Die dudes have always been really fun behind the scenes. Like you can- They're, you understand who they are as people. So that brings a wider audience into it. Cause like, even like there are so many people that I know that don't like metal or hardcore, but they have an every time I die flag hanging out their house. They're like, yeah, that band's a blast. I always see them every time they come. Like I don't listen to it, but I like them because they're just a fun band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the, where like, you can like even get people on board just through being the life of the party. And accessible enough that people are like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. This is cool. I enjoy your energy. And people that are too in their head are too dark and too moody. It's like you can't complain about social media and doing all this stuff if like, you know, you're just going to be depressing and miserable. And of course, nobody's going to want to hang out with you. Nobody's going to want to come to your shows. You're just a bummer, dude. Because you're describing me. (laughs) 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 Sorry, guys. But I I, I mean, come to my shows when they exist. I think Uh, that you're a very outgoing person. I am, but I'm on the surface. When I'm social, I am extroverted. I am very introverted. I like being alone a lot. Okay, so you're normal. Sure. <laughs> Call it balance. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about balance. Sure. I'm a uh-huh. balanced individual. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, your EP is songs to shut the door. It's, yeah. it's you know, this is an, something I'm going to consume on my own away from other people. Yeah. It's more like closing the door on old songs that could never get recorded, old situations, uh, old ways of thinking. Totally. You know, that kind of thing. Understood. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop recording. Good. Only because we've been recording for quite a while and yeah. nobody's going to listen to all of this. We're not that interesting. It's okay. No, no this was actually a really good talk. I right. normally cut episodes down to an hour. We're in an hour 23. Oh, wow. I don't think there's a thing it, I want to cut out of this. It feel like that. Hey, it's 23 yeah. minutes of bonus material. Yeah, we, yeah we, we've been podcasting for about as long as Back to the Future. 
All right. <laughs> I love it. This has been really great, fun, Scott. By the way, but I'm gonna stop recording. Yeah, okay. However, we can still hang out and shoot the shit and sure. talk about life. I'm not doing nothing. It's a Friday night party. Friday. But big ups in the burg. <laughs> that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. Flammable animal in the house. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Dan, thank you. Thank you. You. You, Jamie, Jessica, <laughs> Duncan, no one Duncan. Fine. Duncan, Jessica, sure, and Trevor, <laughs> Dave Matthews Band. Thank you for being here. Yes. <laughs> Much obliged. No, I'll be back again in a couple days. Same time, same place. Couple days. I need. I'll be back next week. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. Twenty twenty. Whoop whoop. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that shit.